0: What's up, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green here, back with Inside the Green Room, co-host Harrison Sanford. It's been a minute. Uh, this is brought to you by Jack in the Box, and we have a special guest on today. Give us some inputs and information on what's to come in the near future. Uh, Harrison, take it away. Yeah, we're glad to be back. It's been way too long. Yeah. A lot has happened in our
1: society, not just in the basketball world, but in the world in general, uh, since the last time we got to do a podcast. Um, there's been issues with social injustice. There's obviously the pandemic that's still going on. And in, betu- and in the midst of all that, Danny happened to get engaged. So that's also <laughs> something we're going to talk about as well. A uh, lot a lot but right on. now we have Bakari Sellers. You've seen him a number of times on CNN. We're happy to have you.
0: Appreciate thank it, man. Thank Appreciate you for having, you. having me. Uh, happy birthday congratulations thank you thank you man I'm trying to grow up be like you um uh, been a big month it's a uh, engagement birthday you know just taking it in stride trying to get it all done before we get into the bubble but uh speaking of the bubble man a, a couple of players recently have expressed their concern about finishing the season um uh, because of social injustice concerns um where do you stand on this us coming to the court how do you think this can affect change or could be beneficial or non-beneficial for us playing or, or playing
2: so, I mean, I have to be honest with you. I don't feel as if I have the audacity to tell NBA hoopers when they should and shouldn't play.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: I'm still a lifetime um, hoops uh, all-star, two-time MVP, um, but that doesn't mean that I, that I should be out here telling you guys when to play. All I can say is um, that in the NBA playoffs, it's, it's all eyes on you. It's one of the largest stages in the entire world. And you will have an opportunity, unlike anybody else, during that playoff time to make whatever type of social justice stance you want um, to make. Um, But this this, um, time period is a little different. It's unique because um, unlike in the 60s and 70s when you had the era of Jim Brown, when you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we've seen that picture of all of these legends sitting at the table together. Um, now it's you're starting to see it from top down. You're seeing it from, um, you know, LeBron and Kawhi all the way down to the 15th man and the trainer. It's it's a it's an entire team effort. Um, and so I'm very proud of, of the guys for what they're doing. I say all of that to say, though, um, you have to follow your heart. And I do believe that you'll have an opportunity if you so choose to play, um, not to only give us selfishly Um, A moment of entertainment um, as we're going through the quarantine period. Um, But you'll also uh, you'll also have the entire stage. You'll have the entire world looking at you. Um, We saw Bubba Wallace today in Talladega. Um, You know, who would have ever guessed that NASCAR is running laps around the NFL in terms of social justice? Um, And so it's it's just with with that platform, you can do so much. So if you choose to play, I would advise all of you all to make the most of it. I agree, and
0: um, right now it's the week we have last couple of days before everybody has to decide whether they're going to opt in or opt out, um, figuring out roster spots, you know, so we have until about a day or two before guys have to give, not- you know, a notification to their organization that I'm coming, that I'm not going. Um, but I'm with you. I think we can, you know, entertain and play and do everything and at the same time still, you know, bring our passions down there and use that stage to, to get the progress that we want and need. Um, so are you playing? Or are we gonna break some news today. Uh, I mean, I'm playing. I think everybody knows that I'm playing. There's uh, <laughs> no secret out there. But said so the whole roster, rest of our roster is kind of unsure. We're not sure who who if everybody's gonna be there. But I've had to guess. I would say at least ninety ninety five percent of us on our roster are, are gonna play and gonna go. Um, there's a five ten percent chance we don't know the other guys uh, might not show up. But said so it's okay. If you don't have to. Your, your opinion is your opinion. You don't. Have, it's not gonna say you're telling us what to play, what to do, what not to do. It's okay to have an opinion. If you have a strong opinion of, you know, you guys probably uh, would be I better just, to I play just think because that. of the stage. And, I, and I, I agree with you. It's better to get down there. Even if you don't play down there, you still use that, that stage, that media stage uh, to get across uh, what you want to get across. So, um, Harrison?
2: You know, it's, and it's, it's, you know, for me, it's, it's a pretty cool experience watching, you know, so many guys actually care about this mm-hmm. and so many guys finding their voice. And, you know, with all due respect to y'all O-heads, I'm even more proud of the college athletes that are, you know, speaking their mind. And, um, you know, I was like uh, watching the, the running back from, from Mississippi State today talking about the Confederate flag in Mississippi, telling them that the flag should come down. And so, you know, whether or not you believe this or not, these young guys, they're following your lead. And so the more you all speak up, the more you're encouraging an entire generation of young athletes to speak up to.
1: You know, Bakari, one of the things that can happen when the players are in Orlando, as we mentioned before, is affecting change. And while the protests are good and And all these signs of solidarity are are great from the companies that we've seen. What we really need in order to address these issues are policy changes. And we've seen some legislation that has come out um, in certain states and and certain federal rules that it seems that might be coming into play in terms of, for example, no chokeholds. We've seen uh, that no-knock warrant can potentially be implemented. I know it's a debate between the Democratic and Republic side We've seen uh, qualified immunity, I think, is no longer as eliminated now in the state of Colorado. You're the expert here, so you could clarify that with me. Uh, But what else do we need to see in terms of legislation that wouldn't put uh, the onus on the players in bringing these things to light by the time they get to Orlando? Obviously, everything can't be accomplished in weeks, but what can we do or what can be done in terms of legislation that will help?
2: So, I mean, the first thing is, I mean, the the kind of the age old adage is you can't you can't change policy without changing policy makers. And so using your voice and encouraging people to register to vote up and down the ballot is extremely important. I'm, I'm proud of the organization that LeBron and some of the other guys have put together to go out and register people to vote. That's so important. What you're talking about are various policy initiatives. And I think that people have to have solutions, right? I'm a very solution oriented person. Like what's the purpose? What's the goal? And so a few of the things that we should be asking for, and I hope the players take this initiative and this platform to ask for, um, are doing things like having a nationalized database for officer misconduct. So what does that mean? I mean, right now I'm in North Carolina. You beat somebody's ass in a police department in Charlotte, you can go to Chapel Hill and be chief of police. Right. There's no there's no uniform database to document that misconduct. Um, we need to have a nationalized use of force. Um, standards and guidelines. So we know what is being taught. We can have input from professionals and the community knows what these guidelines are. That's all well and good until they still break the law. I don't know if you just saw two or three days ago in New York where the choke code is outlawed, but they still choke this dude out, right? Um, so to get to that point, we have to lower the standard whereby we can charge people with federal criminal uh, uh, criminal conduct violations. Uh, Eric Holder said that the reason that Eric Gardner's officer was not charged uh, was because the standard was in Eric, Eric Holder's words, the standard was too damn high. Um, and then one of the things that Tim Scott is actually doing extremely well on the Republican side is he's using the purse strings of the Department of Justice. I want to be extremely clear and not sensationalized when I say this, but Breonna Taylor um, and George Floyd literally paid for the departments that killed them our tax dollars go to the Department of Justice where they implement these grants. And these grants don't have any oversight, um, no transparency, no accountability. And so we're actually sending money out to law enforcement departments right now uh, that are then using things like chokeholds, using things like practices that should be banned, et cetera. And so we have to have some transparency in that. Those are really, really simple things that I think that everyone can kind of wrap their head around things that we should be pushing for. And qualified immunity for me, let me explain to everyone watching and listening what that is. Qualified immunity, I'm a lawyer, and when I go in and I sue a law law enforcement department, I cannot sue that officer. I can sue the department, but I can't sue that officer because that officer has immunity and can hide behind that shield. That's not a deterrent, right? right. You're more likely to think twice if I can take away your pension or take away your salary or take away your retirement or take your house than you are if you can hide behind whatever organization you're a part of. And so that, for me, uh, is an is important step in, in trying to get what we call criminal justice reform. And I'm going to just say the last thing, because all of these. This is not just about criminal justice reform. While we're having this conversation and taking statues down is all well and good and all that stuff. And while Ben and Jerry's and Netflix and everybody throwing their money at it, please continue to throw your money at the problem, the good organizations, right? I want to know how many black people they have in their C-suite. I want to know how they're empowering black folk. Diddy would always say that uh, you know, many times people have the illusion of inclusion. I want to see how you're including black folk in your corporate structure instead of just putting out a statement or, you know, the, I, I keep picking on the NFL because they really are horrible about this. They have two, three black coaches and two or three black GMs. That's it. So when are you going to match your, your works with that faith?
0: Instead of just covering it with money, donations or just statements. Um, Correct. Agreed, agreed. And you mentioned, uh, you know, these people have put their money and their tax dollars into I guess these departments, these forces, uh, such as the Brianna Taylor. Uh, what kind of message does it send when these officers who killed her are
2: not arrested? Well, I mean, I have a 15 year old daughter and a 17 month old daughter. you might hear the 17 month old. She's she's a twin, so she congratulations. <laughs> her, yeah, <laughs> she's running around here with her with her brother, but um, you know, it's just hard because black women in this country always have to. Um, play for crumbs and they're never they're never uplifted. And so, um, you know, Breonna Taylor should be held in the same breath as George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. Um, Breonna Taylor was an EMT that was literally sitting in her house and was gunned down. I mean, she was doing nothing wrong and everything right. Um, And so I was just on Tamron Hall recently with my dad and my, my daughter and my daughter was talking about the strength of my wife and she was also talking about Brianna Taylor and just saying she wanted to live for her. And so for young, young brown girls in this country, um, you got to let them know that they can be queens. You got to let them know that they have a crown above their head that they can grow into and that we we, you know, the fellows on this call have to continue to lift them up and, and make spaces for them, um, um, even when they're not being talked about.
0: Is there any loopholes or anything that you haven't mentioned or discussed? Uh, uh, reasons why you might have brought it up and maybe you need to reiterate this, why these officers haven't been arrested. What do we need to change or what loopholes or what things in the system that needs to be looked at and not overlooked to get these officers that will kill these people who are putting their tax
2: dollars into paying these departments? I mean, it's it's really, really hard to arrest officers and Mm -hmm. it's really, really hard to um, prosecute officers. I don't know if y'all know this, but uh, you know, Hurricane Chris got arrested last week. Did Don't not. You Did just not random, random side note. Don't ask me wow. why I know all of this random. We
0: Carolina. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes um, so, That's so I a- a- Hurricane
2: that.
0: Chris. When I was in college, that so was last time I heard him. That was the first and last time I heard Hurricane Chris.
2: <laughs> Hurricane Chris on Friday um, shot somebody at a gas station, got arrested that night. Right? Mm-hmm. Shot somebody dead, arrested that night. Ahmaud Aubrey's killers, it took 73 days, I believe, 74 days for them to be arrested. Breonna Taylor's killers have been out for over 100 days. And I just use that juxtaposition. So you see that law enforcement moves swiftly um, in some cases and not in others. And I, um, you asked a good question. The only thing that I would ask you to do is continue to use your platform. I mean, imagine if y'all in the NBA playoffs and everybody comes out with a Breonna Taylor t-shirt on. Mm-hmm. Not that whack T-shirt thing y'all did for Donald Sterling. That was lame. Yeah, but that was <laughs> that was weird. But the but like you actually put Brianna Taylor's name on uh, your shirt. Kind of like the I Can't Breathe shirts they had. But, Correct. But, but, but Correct. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would just be that would be dope because it would then you know give her family a sense that we remember her. It would up- uplift her spirit. And most people don't know that the attorney general in Kentucky is a Republican, but he's a black man. He's a black Republican, a young guy. And, you know, make sure that you are tweeting him. Make sure you're calling him. Make sure, um, you know, when you guys put this pod up, man, put, put the number for the um, Kentucky Attorney General's office in there so people know where to go and, and reach out and say, we need, we need to make sure that there's justice in the Breonna Taylor case. For sure. And, um,
0: you know, there's been a lot of protests going on. And I've been fortunate I've been lucky enough to safely attend, you know, one or two. And it's been beautiful to see, man. Um, you know, I see all different cultures, all different races, the colors uh, coming together uh, as a unit and, and actually trying to get some progress. Um, and a lot of them are protesting about defunding police. Mm-hmm. If we did that, what would that do? Or what kind of, what, first of all, what does the protesting large numbers of protests do? And, you know, defunding police, what would that do for our communities?
2: So let's explain defunding police because defunding police doesn't mean that when you call 911, ain't nobody going to show up, right? mm-hmm. That's not what defund police means. What we're saying when people say, def- and I think the slogan sucks. I think it's a bad slogan, but it uh-huh. is what it is. Um, you know, defund police means that we're going to spend those money, those monies because, you know, right now, 55% of the Los Angeles budget is law enforcement. 55%. I mean, that's huge, right? That's bloated. I mean, you have these law enforcement agencies with tanks, we have law enforcement agencies with drones, with all of these military-grade weapons, et cetera. Imagine you cut some of those dollars and you put it into mental health support. Imagine you cut some of those dollars and do uh, summer work programs for kids so they can be occupied and stay out of trouble or after-school programs. What if you, you know, there is a, there's a correlation between, uh, you know, having a, a large homeless population and people who, who uh, commit small crimes, who really don't need to be in jail in the first place. So what happens if you address the need for housing? And um, there's so much you can do with those funds and so you're redirecting funds and i appreciate the energy for everybody who's protesting um pr- protest protest really matters um and it's working so people need to keep protesting because as we've seen the protests really are working
1: you know you know bakari one of the things that i do like what i've seen from uh, these recent protests and you know black people have been talking about police brutality for ages now but i think Uh, the one thing that's unique to this new uprising is the discussion about systemic racism Mm -hmm. and uh, bias that's being put on the forefront of American culture. So uh, now that that's more in the limelight now, as opposed to just police brutality, what tangible things would you like to see uh, for you to feel as if America is embracing the fact that there is systemic racism. And I know there's uh, people on the other side of the aisle, the mm-hmm. Republican aisle, who don't want to acknowledge that there is systemic racism. But you know, as a Black man in America, I feel very differently, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who feel the same way.
2: Yeah, man, it took us seven years just to get people to say Black Lives Matter. Um, that's a good question. I mean, y'all are channeling your inner Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon up here today.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> That's a really good, really good question. You know, my father, I don't know if y'all knew this, but my father was shot February 8th, 1968 in what's called the Orangeburg Massacre. It's not a story that's talked about that much in your history books, but he was, uh, they were leading, my my dad was in SNCC and they were leading a protest and um, South Carolina State troopers fired shots into a group of students while they were protesting on the campus of South Carolina State. Three students were killed, Henry Smith, Samuel Hammond, and Delano Middleton. And my dad was shot. He was one of 28 that was wounded. Ironically enough, they, char- they charged and tried all the officers who fired shots, all eight officers, nine officers, and they were all found not guilty. And they ended up arresting my dad because they knew him to be a member of SNCC. And they charged him with actually they actually charged him with um, five felony counts. He was looking at 75 years in prison for and being they denied, they denied his bond after they arrested him. Um, and then he went to trial um, a few years later. And the lead investigator said he misplaced all the evidence. But he did remember my dad standing on top of a fire truck, lighting a big insane burn, baby burn. And so my dad was charged, tried, and convicted of rioting. Um, he went to prison for a year. Um, this is the second time he went to prison. The first time he went to prison was um, for not going to the Vietnam War. He, did, he didn't um, go in the draft. And I share that story with you because my father was not only shot, but then he was arrested and in prison. And my sister was actually born while my father was in prison. Um, this injustice in this country, man, the systemic injustice that we're talking about has been going on for a very long period of time. I mean, um, you know, I think about Emmett Till and just his face, um, you know, for allegedly whistling at a white woman who just before she died a couple of years ago, admitted that she was lying. Um, so I'm very, very hopeful that we'll, we will get to the point where we can address this. But we have to first acknowledge the problem exists. And... Um, you know, for me, it's I, mean, I come from a small town called Denmark, South Carolina, and it's in a food desert where um, you can't go two, three miles and get healthy food alternatives. Um, the water not clean. The schools are falling apart. I mean, this is the condition that many black folk, especially black folk in the south, are grown up in and raised in. And so those are the levels of systemic oppression that we have to deconstruct. And so whether or not it's is raising awareness or whether or not you're actually a part of these systems trying to tear them down. Um, we have a lot of work to do, but first we have to even acknowledge the problem is there. Man,
0: that's, that's tough. That's,
2: that's crazy. You get shot, get arrested. Yeah.
0: Unbelievable, bro. Story um,
2: of the 60s, man. Black, black people in the 60s, man.
0: man. Um, so, I mean, obviously still on topic, but we're going to kind of reroute a little bit. Um, sure. How do, how do we fight against the voter suppression? Uh, obviously, with the pandemic going on, particularly with the COVID-19 uh, precautions, um, you know, how, do we, how do we, I guess, operate around that? How do we fight it? How do we uh, maneuver or be the most effective with the, the
2: COVID precautions? That's tough, man. So one of the things we have to do is make sure that in every state they're enabling absentee voting. And that's first. And, and you we should have, we have 30 days in South Carolina, you should have more than that. Um, and no excuse absentee, so you can just go vote early. Uh, we should also be pushing for mail-in ballots, like the president votes by mail. Ain't no reason that y'all shouldn't be able to vote by mail. Um, those are two really, really simple things, because you shouldn't have to risk dying to go vote. Although, really enough, your life does depend on voting um, in this election. Um, you shouldn't have to necessarily, Uh, you know, there were, you know, I think about eight people who caught COVID while they were in the Wisconsin elections not that long ago. And so, um, that's something that we have to be very, very cognizant of and very, very aware of. Um, and we have to make it as safe and secure as possible. But mail-in, bo- mail-in balloting and absentee votes are the most important thing. And if people don't think that voter suppression is is real, look at the Kentucky election that's happening on Tuesday where they've cut the number of precincts. And then you can just look in Georgia. Georgia's like reminiscent of the 1950s and 60s and what they're doing in terms of um, not having... Um, the the proper number of of ballots or not even giving them electrical um, strips for the machines. People having to wait, you know, people literally had to wait six, seven hours to cast a ballot in black parts of town. That suppression is real. And so we have to do everything we can to call it out and root it out.
1: Bakari, I was talking to Danny not too long ago and a couple of friends of mine as well. Uh, My level of appreciation for everything that civil rights leaders did back during the original civil rights movement has multiplied immensely uh since then um because of everything that's happened now in our country and i think uh danny and i are appreciative of you coming on and uh continuing to fight the fight uh because let's keep it real a lot of us just stay in our world we we play basketball we talk about basketball and we stay in our in, in our circle but this pandemic has really allowed us and americans in general to really wake up uh to what's been happening in our country and so for somebody like you who's been on the fight since day one, didn't need a pandemic, uh, on behalf of Danny and I, we, we are thankful for you and people who are fighting like you.
2: Man, I'm just thankful for y'all because this is, I mean, you know, there are going to be people who watch who, you know, are fans of CNN and news folk who will watch and pick it up and, and be proud that three brothers can sit here and have a conversation like this. And then there are going to be people who you guys um, have an audience with that will be able to maybe learn something and become more active. At the end of the day, we have to have difficult conversations. That's what's necessary. Um, We have to have tough conversations. And with our platforms, all of our respective platforms, just like you're talking about those leaders of the past, we can't let their contributions be in vain. We have to utilize our platforms to the best of our ability so our children can one day be free.
1: Before we go and before Dandy says goodbye, make sure you catch uh, Bakari's newest book, My Vanishing Country.
0: Yes. Yeah, my so, vanishing country. Let's see the book. Let's see the book one more time. Yeah, look, look,
2: look at that. Look at that awesome picture. Ah, uh, <laughs> right young lady.
1: And Bukhari <laughs> also has a podcast coming out on the Ringer Network, I believe, that will follow the 2020 election. Which I think everybody who's listening can acknowledge that the 2020 election is going to be massive to the future.
3: We're gonna get United we're gonna America get Green on that podcast, world.
2: man. From the bubble, sure. I don't want it. I don't want it to you in the bubble because you ain't going to have nothing to do. So. <laughs> I have plenty of time in the bubble, man.
0: <laughs> First and foremost, man, I appreciate your time, man, um, educating me, us, our fans, our people um, on this platform of, you know, the proper steps that we need to take uh, moving forward uh, to get the progression that we want. I uh, said, I've learned a lot today. Hopefully the viewers have. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. We will circle back again. Congratulations on the book, the Thank twins, you. five yeah. years of marriage, man. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm trying to be like you one day. I'm just trying to grow up. So hopefully I'm done, I'll get a book. it um, got the podcast, but, you know, be married for five Perfect. years. I have kids. But um, appreciate the time, man. It's been amazing. It's been a lot of fun. It's been very, very informative. So thanks right. once again, man. And uh, we'll see you soon, I'm sure. All right, all right. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Jack in the Box. Order your favorites like Jumbo Jacks, Curly Fries, or Two Tacos all day, every day using their mobile app, drive through or delivery.
1: We're back with more Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sanford. Uh, That conversation we previously had with Bakari Sellers, I hope you guys uh, were able to absorb it and able to use it uh, as we go forward here, as we continue to fight social injustice and we try to create equality uh, around the world. We have a conversation with Zach Lowe after this uh, little back and forth I'll have with Danny. Uh, So we'll talk about the Orlando bubble and things of that nature, but first and foremost, Today, we're taping, is June 22nd. It's Danny's birthday. you feeling older?
0: Uh, mentally, uh, emotionally, yeah. Body's actually staying pretty solid. Trying to keep the body young, but uh, some days it feels older than what it is. You wake up, you, you forget what you did the night, day before, but your body will remind you um, where your bumps and bruises are. And you don't have to try to remember where you, what the hell did I do yesterday? Where my, where my calf hurts, or, you know what I'm saying? Something like that. But everything's been good, man. It's been solid. Got a little workout in. Still in the gym with guys getting prepared, getting ready for this bubble. So, um, enjoying. You the
1: know, when you, when you get older, unfortunately, a great birthday is just like getting your work done, and not and getting a good meal.
0: That's it.
1: Versus like twenty six, it's a whole different world.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've never been a big <laughs> celebrator, party for myself, um, but definitely when you're younger, you celebrate it a little differently. Now you get older, you celebrate by just being be able to relax and chill at home with your close ones, man, especially during a pandemic. So uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying to have absolutely nothing to do and absolutely wanting to do nothing. Um, so this has been relaxing. It's been fun. And uh, been calm and cooling and it's a collective. Last year this time, we had the live
1: show to mm-hmm. celebrate the championship win in Toronto. And then we had the big party after for your birthday. That was a lot of
0: fun. After, yeah, we won. It's, just, it's nice. so usually celebrate a b- birthday after the season. And after a win is always great. So we, we ended on a win. I was celebrating great. It's going to be weird now celebrating a birthday before we continue a season or actually mm-hmm. having a birthday during a season because we don't know what next season is going to come or when it's going to start, when it's going to finish. I've never really had my birthday during any season. So it's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic now that everything's changed. For sure. Uh, quick questions. So that Trevor
1: Ariza and Davies Bertans will not be going to the bubble.
0: Quick reaction to that? I heard that. I mean, like I said, I, and I talked to a couple guys this week. got a chance to talk to Dwight Howard. I talked to Avery Bradley early in the week, but I've been trying to get a hold of him this past week and haven't been able to get a hold of him as of late. Uh, so I don't know where he's at, but I talked to Dwight, and there's just some things that are bigger than basketball. You never know what's going on with guys' families. And just hearing the background of what Dwight is going through, I understood fully. And obviously he wanted to do it for protest, not because of his family, but there's more than just one scenario, one more uh, issue, more than one thing that's going on in his life besides the protest. And, you know, with, you know, the loss of his baby mother, but there's a lot of other things that's going on behind the scenes that people don't know about. Um, And I understood. I said, you know, obviously we need you, man. We love you like a brother, your family. Uh, We want you to be a part of this, but regardless of what your decision is, you know, we know it's bigger than basketball and that things are more important than actually, you know, doing this. Uh, so if you need to be with your family, so we support it um, regardless. Uh, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm all for it." He said, "I never said I wouldn't play, but I just a lot going on." So he's kind of you know making a decision. We have only a few days left, but um, I think he'll be with us. Um, and if not, so once again, he's still our brother. We still support him. Uh, Avery, I said, I haven't got a chance to touch and to get in touch with him recently. Uh, hopefully, I will hear from him the next day or so. Um, but said some things are bigger than basketball, and we we have to understand that. For sure, uh, there's a lot of basketball things we discuss and.
1: If we're keeping it real, I haven't been locked into basketball. There's been so much more going on in the world. Um, and is the first time in my life where I've really been disconnect- disconnected from basketball. I've never really done it. It's been weird. But one good thing did happen. Somebody, and it's sure not me. <laughs>
0: sure not you, huh? You're on your way, Sure man. not me. You're next up soon enough. You're getting old enough, man. Uh, I'm happy for you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you put it. Put it like that. Growing up, uh, getting it, older, you know, yeah. big month, big month for your boy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> His engagements, you know, all those type of things. So yes. it, getting a lot done before the bubble happens. Uh, doing a lot of growing up.
1: For sure. Okay. So for those who didn't get the
0: hint, uh,
1: Danny got engaged recently over the past weekend, not Father's Day weekend, the weekend before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a man who aspires to propose one day, mm-hmm. Give me the details on how you pulled it off. Cause I saw some of the pictures that is some intricate planning has to go into this. For
0: Sure. Um, well, you got to know your person first and foremost, um, what they want, what they like. Some people like uh, big scenery, big events. Some people like quiet. And luckily for me, I didn't have to do, you know, in front of a bunch of people. Um, there's not a moment you can ever prepare for um, or be ready for it. You know, it's, it's I mean, it's, and I'm not a person that usually gets nervous over a lot of things or worried. No, but when you get into that moment, it's a very vulnerable time. And, you know, sometimes things are not going to go as smoothly. The words may not come as smoothly. But half the time, they're not even paying attention to listen to you. They're looking at the ring and waiting for you to ask. And, you know, fortunately, i just say, you know, I was fortunate to say yes. So, um, But when the time comes, man, you said you'll learn and know your person. And you have some friends, some good friends like we have. Uh, You know, Amjad did a great job. Our Our producer helped me find a good location and helped me with the pictures and video. And Scotty also helped, so we had a good group of friends uh, with that. Uh, but it says there's nothing that you can really prepare for uh, from this point of, of you know what you're going to say or do when it happens, because a lot of times it's not going to go the way you planned.
1: More nerve wracking: a playoff game, finals <laughs> game,
0: or the proposal. Uh, like you said, I mean, said I try not to think about things until I get to that stage, and this one's a, a little shorter time. So, like, even for big games, I don't think about it all day, all night. I just know we play somebody and people are like, are you ready? I will be ready. I'll be ready at 730. Usually I'll get, you know, start getting mentally locked in around two hours beforehand, an hour beforehand. Um, and it's a little longer process of that, getting ready. For this one, didn't have to take that long to get ready and be in that moment for too long. So, um, definitely a finals game. But for that short time period of span, it's it's up there.
1: So, <clears throat> when you take a three, mm-hmm. There's times you know what's going in, mm-hmm. and there's times you're like, ah, did I get it just right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had conversations about getting married before, Blake, sure. so it's a little bit easier. But when you put, when you got down on the ring, <laughs> and you got down on your knee and, and gave the ring, mm-hmm. were you 100% confident she was going to say yes?
0: I think most guys, if they're asking, they're, they're good, high 90% confident, especially if you got some years in. Um, you know, they're just waiting for the time. I don't think they'd be dating you if they didn't think they would be at this age. They didn't want to see you in, in the picture for the long run. Uh, so most guys that are doing it, they usually high 90s, 98%, you know, usually 99%. Yeah, I was up there with confidence, but there's always that 1% or 2%. But that's not the thought of it. You're not really thinking that. You're thinking, like, she's going to say yes, but how am I going to do it? Um, and she says, no, that's kind of a, you know, little wrench in the plans, but Everything else is what makes him nervous. Not the fact that you're scared that she's going to say no. It's just that you want it to be the way that she wants it to be. And this is perfect for her.
1: For sure. Uh, shout out to Amjad for capturing the moment.
0: We're because. A big shout out. Go ahead. I said, we're a big shout out. He, he did a great job of finding the location, uh, getting the cameras ready, and getting some good content, man. You know,
1: I definitely would have been too clumsy to try and pull that off.
0: For sure. And I, I know You for, know your personnel. For sure, and she'll, she'll know you too, and she'll probably laugh, and she'll have some footage for later on. Uh, but she won't think you ruined it. She just knows who you are and understands it and probably appreciate it. And it'll be perfect for her, because you're clumsy ass. probably can get down there and probably fall, pull a tendon or something. But you know, you'll execute it and get the ring on her finger somehow, so yeah. she'll enjoy it. You know, I blame my mom. I was at my parents' wedding,
1: uh-huh. and uh, I was five years old, and my mom gave me the little pillow so with the wing, with the ring on it, I was the ring bearer. Yeah. Uh but she never put the ring on it because they didn't trust me.
0: <laughs> so she had you walk <laughs> in without the ring. Just walked oh, in with a pillow. Oh. So no trust in you. That's from, that was that's the day it started that you, you she know, set you had the low, stone. Low standards for yourself. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: All right. Well she knew uh, so well. But yeah. yeah. All right, now uh, it's time to go to our interview with Zach Lowe. We taped this about a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're going to we discuss the bubble and all the intricacies behind it. And Danny did make a good claim on how teams who have lost home court advantage can kind of still regain it.
0: Hope you enjoy. Let's get back to more Inside the Green Room right after this quick message. Fellas, Manscaped created the perfect tools for your jewels. Visit manscaped.com and use the code GREEN When you purchase the Perfect Package 3.0 and you'll get 20% off, free shipping, and two gifts. All right, let's jump back into the show.
1: Welcome back with more Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sanford. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot to talk about outside of basketball, but for the purposes of this podcast, or at least this segment of the podcast, we'd like to welcome in Zach Lowe. Uh, Zach, what are your impressions of the season coming back to play July 31st with 22 teams?
3: Uh, I just, you know, everyone's like, who's going to benefit from the hiatus? Who's who's going to have the toughest time going back? I'm like, I don't know. I just hope everyone stays healthy. Uh, you know, we're going to learn a lot about what the testing protocols and the quarantine protocols are going to be. But this is pretty much an unprecedented undertaking, and I think the only thing that matters is can we keep everybody healthy or as many people as healthy as possible? And we'll see. Knock on wood. Uh, I think 22 is too many teams for that reason and for competitive reasons, but that's what they decided to do. And so, you know, we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah. Um, as you mentioned earlier, it's some news, there's always news every day. And this is actually some good news for once uh, over the last couple of days uh, for basketball in particular. Um, but obviously it seems as if most of the format, it hasn't been guaranteed. It hasn't been uh, permanently addressed yet or purposely voted in. Correct. But it seems as if the format, the way they have it, with the 22 teams is kind of more for the bottom seeds. It's if that makes any sense, um, it's kind of beneficial for more for the bottom seats. Um, what do you, and they came up with some suggestions. What do you think are reasonable suggestions or reasonable ways to compensate the top seeded teams who have lost home court advantage now because you know, in our Orlando one neutral site, there aren't going to be any fans. What do you think is a more reasonable suggestion or reasonable thing? That you can bring? The only reasonable thing I've heard
3: that came out is if you you could – I don't know. Well, let me ask you. Do you think having your own court and your own PA announcer, does that count for anything? Is that going to make you feel more (laughs) – that's not going to make you feel more comfortable, right? No,
0: no, that's not going to change. That's not going to – I said losing the fans, they said things statistically, lose about five or six points being at home. Um, So the only thing that I thought, and you might have a different, you know, take on this, uh, was fair – or wouldn't say fair, but help the home winning team or the teams that that has a higher higher seeds. The home games, I thought the possessions make sense. After tip ball, second, third, and fourth quarter, that the home team would get the possession of the ball. I'm but, I'm I'm going hell no
3: on anything that gives you extra possessions or anything like this. <laughs> Here are the ones that I can get I can get behind. If you want to choose your hotel, I have no idea what the hotels are going to be. If one's going to be better than the other, I have no clue. The other thing I would like, I, I think. Um, How about pick your own opponent in every round higher seed or the number one seed gets to pick their opponent in every round.
0: That's not bad. Um, I like that idea. But once again, we don't know who that eight seed is going to be. I mean, obviously we could probably pick it again. So you're saying it doesn't have to be a seventh or eighth seed. It could be a three or third or fourth seed. And we just pick whoever on either conference.
3: Uh, No, not either conference. I think that's going to my, I actually proposed that I proposed, if I, I, a uh, 20 teams come, that was my proposal, 20 teams come mm-hmm. and then the bottom five in the West and the bottom two in the East have a crazy seven team play in tournament for three playoff spots. And then you can play around with seedings and where guys are, but no, for my, for purposes of pick your own opponent, I say only in your own conference. And yeah, if new Orleans gets the eighth seed and they're like killing it with Zion, you could pick somebody else. But in, you know,
0: in the West, man, there's no good choices in the West. You got no, you got no good choices. Agreed, agreed. And that, that is an interesting take on it. I said the possessions for me, I, I thought it made sense because I said five or six points, obviously, it doesn't make it fair. Um, but I said when you're the number one seed, and you automatically have to play an A seed. And one of the teams that you don't want to face in the first round end up being an eighth seed. Where do you get the advantage? Um, and what does it take? Like, what does it mean for you to stay in the top one seed? We could lose those eight games and be like, you know what, we'd rather play uh, the seventh seed or the sixth seed. And you know, and not be a number one seed because we might have to play a Portland that we might not want to play, or Phoenix or San Antonio or whoever it may be. Um, so it was
3: very nice of you to include Phoenix in there. That was very, <laughs> di- that was very di- diplomatic. I'm just saying, uh, you
0: never know any of those teams could could jump into AC.
3: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I think I get what you're saying because you you played 60 whatever games. You've earned it. You've earned what should be a huge advantage for you. I I don't know that there's a fair basketball way to replicate that. And I do think this is one of those situations where it's like, on the other side of the the standings, right? Some of the teams, when it was unclear how many teams were going to come back to play, some Mm -hmm. of the bad teams were like, well, I mean, a couple maybe were like, we don't want to come back and like win games and and screw up our lottery odds. Or like (laughs) we were set to, you know, I had one team tell me, I mean, we were set to like shut it down and lose a whole bunch of games and like shoot up the lottery. No, this is a pandemic it's a once in a, hopefully a once in a lifetime cataclysmic event everyone's got to put their self interest aside a little bit and just like may the best team win it's not perfect it's not super fair i get where you're
0: coming from but do you think the hotel gives you an advantage as a top seeded team like you think that's more of an advantage than... I have no idea, man. I just don't, I I just, I want it to just be basketball
3: and the more you go away from what basketball is, the more people are going to be like, this is, feels a little gimmicky. It feels a little weird, you know, like to get, to give them four extra two extra possessions or what I don't, the two extra possessions thing. I don't like it, but as you say it, as you spell it out, it's not as like off the wall bananas as it comes off initially.
0: I don't think it, I don't think it comes like when you're watching the game, I don't think it changes the game much. you just, Person, the start the team starts the quarter with the ball. I don't think you even realize how much. You know what I'm saying it does When you give somebody seven fouls, you'd be like, oh, what the, "Why is he not out the game?" But if somebody just gets the possession to start the quarter, I don't think it'll disrupt your thought process of how the game looks or feels. Yeah,
3: fans. I don't think even realize. A lot of fans don't realize that you know you win the tip, you get it in the fourth quarter, the other team gets it quarters two and three. You know, I mean, I just don't even think you're right. I think people are not registering that
0: for sure. Um, yeah, one. Go ahead, Harrison.
1: Yeah, one of the things that, uh, as you look at how it's shaped up for the bottom seeds, Danny being on the Lakers and them having the number one seed as of now, Zach, there are a lot of teams in that bottom the Pelicans, the Port- Portland, who could add Zach Collins and they could add um, Yusuf Nurchik. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a tough competition. Who do you think might get that eighth seed and end up playing the Lakers?
3: I mean, I think you have to favor Memphis only because they come in with a three and a half game lead. And so there are theoretical scenarios where they don't even have to play the play in game, right? Like maybe they extend their lead. I don't think that's likely because their schedule is going to be tougher, but even if they get shoved into the play in chances are because of how far ahead they are, they're going to be the eighth seed, not the ninth seed. And as the eighth seed, they get two chances to win one game, right? So they have much better odds of coming out of that than they're not coming in at even odds. So I think probably the math says Memphis. Of everyone below them, though, I think the Pelicans with Zion are the most dangerous team. Portland getting healthy is interesting. Like, Portland's good, man. You put that you put that backcourt with their starting frontcourt, that's a real team. But, you know, Nurkic, it's tough coming off those, like, traumatic leg injuries. It, you don't come right back to being your old self. It takes a while. So I'll go New Orleans is the most dangerous threat to Memphis. But people are underestimating – how much of a built-in advantage Memphis gets in this weird system they're using.
0: We just heard uh, earlier before we got on this call, the G league had just canceled their season. Um, What are your thoughts on that?
3: Uh, I mean, as you guys were saying, it stinks for the players. Like it it stinks for the coaches. There's a whole ecosystem there of guys that are not going to be working for a while. But when you look at the realities of it, the G league mostly doesn't make money or loses money. And You know, the idea of putting all those – of trying to do what the NBA is doing in Orlando with another basketball league and another X-100 players coming in close contact with each other doesn't
0: seem uh, super smart to me. The draft was also pushed back to October, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Thoughts? (laughs) It's a long way from now,
3: man. That is a long (laughs) way for these guys to wait. But the NBA was – I mean, there were a lot of people who were saying, why don't we just keep the draft in – you know, when was it supposed to be? Late June, June 20th, oh, yeah. 25th, something like that. You know, there's going to be nothing going on. The NBA's got a chance to have this moment here. We mm-hmm. could even do the lottery. I heard t- some teams propose lottery one night, rest of the draft the other night. Like, let's just blow it out NFL style. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought that was a good idea, honestly. But but the league was determined. We're not having it until after the season's over. And, and part of, you know, I yeah, I guess you have to determine order a little bit. And so mm-hmm. we're going to have to determine the draft order through this restart. But I thought that had some merit of just freezing it and drafting. Zach,
1: exactly. that's one of the things a lot of fans, and I think the NBA is, ca- is trying to be cautious of, how can we make this more entertaining for fans as possible? Because there's a bunch of elements that are just different, obviously, with us being in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, one of those thoughts Danny and I were thinking about at the last episode, what if those players that are in the bubble, and let's say they get eliminated, they stay in the bubble because presumably the bubble is supposed to be safe if you're within the bubble, if you stay within the realm of the bubble. Uh-huh. So, what happens if potentially uh, the players that get them eliminated end up staying in the stands?
3: I, I, you're not the first person to suggest that idea, and I even had one person put it put it more specifically last week. Said, how fun would it be if like, not forget, maybe you're not even eliminated. How fun it would be like, you know, the Sixers have an off day. Joel Embiid wants to come watch some games, mic him up in the stands, you know, give him give him 15 feet of space around him. Joel Embiid with an open mic watching NBA games is going is to be fun. But then again, like, for that to happen, he's got to leave his hotel room. He's got to walk over here. He's got to come in contact with over here. My guess is, I don't know what you've heard more than me, Danny, because you're a player rep for sure. I don't... I think the regulations are going to be pretty damn strict to the point of, of not being super fun um, to be there. But,
0: but we'll see. I think it's a good idea. I've, I've heard the same. I don't see teams staying if they're eliminated. Um, but let's say if teams are there, I think it would be interesting. Not saying you have to mic them up, but to see other teams they're supporting, having some people in the stands and actually seeing it, I think it would be interesting for fans to see what NBA players are going for what teams, uh, who they're cheering on, what kind of viewpoint they have on the game from the sideline. Uh, seeing because you're going to be able to hear everything, seeing what kind of calls they're uh, debating or cussing out the refs from the sideline. Um, you know, it'd be fun to listen on, in on that. Uh, but so I couldn't see teams or guys staying after they're eliminated staying in that bubble. Uh, but it will be interesting. said so it probably will be strict, but it's going to be tough knowing that Disney's going to open up on July 11th is what they're supposed to open up. It's going to be tough to keep that bubble the way they want to keep it. And we'll say, we'll see how the country goes with loosening up um, rules, laws, boundaries, restaurants, places of going. And you never know, they might allow some people in the arena at that point, but I highly doubt it. But we'll say, we'll see. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. So all the world wants,
3: you know, cause again, there's going to be no fans. It's going to be a weird environment. The mm-hmm. most obvious thing is like mic up the players, mic up right. all the players. We want to hear everything. So two <laughs> questions. Number one, do you, do you think there are players that don't want to be mic'd up? And number two, knowing you're, knowing they're mic'd up, will the trash talk go from like R-rated to
0: PG-rated and we'll lose, we'll lose all the flavor? I think I think when guys are mic'd up, they don't like to be mic'd up. Mind you, can around the mic is kind of annoying. And so they, they're aware of it. Mind you, they might talk a little more, but they're, they're probably talking a little more PG-rated than they normally would. And the stuff that is not PG-rated, they have to cut out anyway. So you might yeah. not get any of it. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to mic up anybody like in particular. Knowing that there's no fans, you just have mics around the court. You'll hear. Everything. Yeah, it could put every. year. You're right. <laughs> you have a, a mic on up. the bench. You have a mic near the bench somewhere on the bench. You can hear everything you need to hear. You have a mic, um, you know, by the scorer's table. You have a mic, you know, by the, the baseline on the by the the rim. You'll be able to hear all those things and what the guys are talking about. Um, just having them, you know, placed around the the court
3: makes sense. Glad you're healthy. I Hope all your teammates are healthy. Knock on wood. Uh, good luck in Orlando and. uh
0: Stay safe. Same. Thank you, man. Hope to see you there, hopefully. Maybe they'll let you guys down there. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate the time, man. Stay safe on the streets, and hopefully your family's well. Yeah. You know, we're making some progress as a country. Hopefully things will get better. But uh, thanks again, man. This is awesome. My pleasure. Always a pleasure to see you guys. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it, Zach.